marketing without data is like driving with your eyes closed. Hi, before we get to this week's podcast, I'd like to tell you that Automated Creative are releasing a book called How to Make It in Marketing, Volume 1. It is a collection of the best marketing career advice we've had from over 200 episodes of the Shiny New Object podcast. You'll hear from some of the biggest, brightest and best names in the industry showing you telling you how to grow your career you can reserve yourself a copy at this url so get your pens out it's bitly so bit.ly forward slash make it in marketing so that's bitly bit.ly forward slash make it in marketing but the make it in marketing bit is in capital letters so bitly forward slash lowercase and the rest is make it in marketing uppercase i think you should get your heads around that and enjoy it's a great read hello and welcome to the shiny new object podcast my name is tom ollerton i'm the founder of automated creative and it is my great pleasure to record this podcast every week that investigates the future of our industry and i am on a call with madeline nicholas who is vp marketing amir at sap concur madeline for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do can you give us a quick background of course um thanks for having me on the podcast so I have been now, and it sounds scary when I say that, almost 20 years um, in marketing and I've had, you know, different roles. My career actually started at PR agencies. Um, and from there, I then did the jump on the client side because when I worked for Ketchum, um, it was actually the time 2007 when in Germany as well, I was in, based in Munich at the time. Um, social started and um, their Kodak was was globally one of the first brands really embracing social media. They had their first social media policy. And so with that, I had the pleasure of starting their social media strategy first for Germany and rolling it out to multiple countries across EMEA. And that's how I then did the jump um, over to the client side and became actually the first one of the first social media managers in Europe, I remember, because I was interviewed by like magazines like the World Chefs Woche. They were like, what do you do all day in that kind of job? Um, and then from there, I interestingly moved uh, at Kodak as responsible for both B2B and B2C. And I we were for the social media monitoring and engagement. We were using Radiant 6. And that was actually then the reason I jumped over to Salesforce because they just had acquired Radiant 6 and they needed someone to lead uh, EMEA marketing for them. And so there I had the fantastic opportunity of actually establishing what the marketing cloud, you know, as a ca new category is because we went then through additional acquisitions of Buddy Media, Exact Target. And so Salesforce was launching the, the first marketing cloud before then everyone else started copying it. And so I then worked um, at Salesforce for a number of years in multiple roles. Um, at the very last, I was uh, leading the European product marketing team for Salesforce. And then I moved over to Concur. And interestingly, so there's always a little bit of a thread between the different roles. I was always using Concur as my travel and expense um, tool. And, um, and so they were then looking for a head of EMEA marketing um, in 2017. And yeah, that's where I am today, almost six years with the company. And so I'm leading the uh, field marketing team 
on an EMEA level, which covers 21 countries, um, which is broken down in yeah, 11 market units. And so we are mainly focused on the demand generation part um, of the business. And in, in that career, what new belief or behavior has had the biggest impact on your work life? So it's really something um, that I have realized um, because moving from Germany over to the UK and also moving into a European role, which meant my counterparts weren't just sitting with me in an office anymore. Um, my reality, living and working in Germany, and, and I know that from still a lot of colleagues even today, was very much focused on kind of the, you know, nine to five and you had to be office presence. And the moment I moved to the UK in, in 2010, I, of course, had an office, but I I was automatically working flexible because I had to travel a lot to the different countries. I had to visit the agencies a lot. And so I had this flexible working really for the last 13 years. And so there was always a couple of office days, but I really very much... Um, planned it around how it worked for well the job I had to do but also my my personal schedule and um and it's really interesting that what the pandemic meant for SAP was also that they then introduced what they call a pledge to flex over the last um three, four years, which really means that as an employee, you need to confirm with your manager how you would like to work. And of course you need to you know, be there for the important meetings and 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 do do your work. But you have a lot of flexibility to say, you know, I would actually prefer to be um, working from home. You know, and, and home is basically my main location. Or I, I'm rather prefer to to be in an office. Or I even I had team members who relocated um, further away. You know, who moved somewhere more into the countryside because they that they could make that work better for for their for their family life. And what um, what really that helped for me, I, I'm a mother of three, and I would say the only reason I can have the career I have, and I was still able to have a family and build a family and not drop out, was that flexibility that I always had in my job since since I moved to the UK. It doesn't mean it was always easy, and it doesn't mean I had weeks where I had five days in the office because we had important meetings or all the traveling I had to do, but I had the flexibility to make it work and and arrange it and i'm quite passionate about this topic especially like I, I i am a woman working in tech and i have seen in my career so many colleagues friends team members which dropped out because they started a family and they they couldn't make it work they they had to be the ones picking up their kids uh, from nursery in the afternoon their husband had no flexibility and so they ended up um, staying home or sometimes, you know, depending on, on the type of job, it just also didn't make sense in terms of comparing this with the nursery fees. As we know, there's a huge debate in, in the UK at the moment about kind of the that it's a country with the highest um, costs for, for childcare. And so you also have to weigh that up and where you lose a lot of talent and where I still see it today, I've, I've built a fantastic career and and colleagues who started with me who are now you know, their kids might be nine, 10 years old and they're still at home. They haven't actually managed to make that step back into 
into their working life. And on the other hand, I'm leading like a large team. It's almost 100 people. And I have so many women on my team and where I can see how they thrive and how they perform. But thanks to that flexibility and, and also to, thanks to the tools that we have today that, you know, calls are being recorded. If they can't make the call because they have a sick child or they just have other commitments at that moment, well, it's recorded. They can still catch up on it. They can still do their job. And, and so, in, in our line of business, it's it's fantastic. And I think it's a huge leap forward um, to hopefully helping more women get into tech and stay in tech, even when they decide to start a family. So what is your top marketing tip? What is that bit of advice that you give most often to your team? Um, so my... Um, because marketing tip, and that's also what, what I live by, is um, marketing without data is like driving with your eyes closed. Um, and, um, you know, a, a social media scientist um, said that once. Um, I think his name is Dan Zarella or something. Um, and so I, I think that is so true, and, and, and I live by that. So for anything, um, I... I find that, you know, if you, you can't measure, you can't make actually any decisions. And so um, that's how I've been leading, you know, my my team. So we have achieved fantastic sales alignment because we are, you know, we closely align with them in terms of the KPIs that we measure. We have regular monthly interlocks where we're looking at the KPIs, where we take actions, where we can um, mitigate any you know any unperformance or also share any you know positive performance and then can see okay what can we learn from that what should we be doing more of and really achieving also that agility in our marketing execution across the region where the teams are constantly basically having an eye on their campaigns and their performance and are able to um to switch it on off tweak or alternate depending on the performance because we we are so sophisticated um with with the way how we how we track everything we are also in a very lucky position that we have the right bi tools to to be able to to have you know those insights and be able to to really be be data driven but not even just for general performance and 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 managing our you know our marketing campaigns and ensuring we we you know we hitting our our business targets but even for making decisions in terms of how I structure the team. I've always based it on data. I would always do first internal surveys and ask for feedback and based on that, you know, make decisions or do the internal surveys and then also speak with, you know, external experts who have even a broader um, scope, like serious decisions or Forrester and comparing, right? What are the general trends? Are we in line with that? And how can we learn for that when we're making any organizational changes and we restructuring or things like that? So I, I think both right from a from a people and team leading perspective, but also for of course how you performance manage um, the the programs and and the campaigns that everyone's running. This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Madfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. 
So now we're going to talk about your shiny new object, which is ChatGPT. So you're the first person to talk about this, which is an interesting data point in itself. So can you firstly, very succinctly, describe to anyone who isn't clear on what ChatGPT is and why it's your shiny new object? Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm super fascinated by it. And I always joke to my team that I have this new personal assistant. So it is effectively like an AI, an artificial intelligence language model. Um, yesterday, just the latest version, ChatGPT4 came out. Um, so what, what I've been using, um, over the last couple of months has been ChatGPT3 and 3.5. So basically the earlier version where it's text based. So, you have to imagine it as a, you know, you have a field where you input a query, let's say, um, how would you phrase X, Y, and Z? Or how could you structure a presentation about X, Y, and Z? And, and these are the sort of um, requests you can put into the tool and, and you will be astonished um, by the sophistication of the answer and and uh, and how good it is so i the way i have been using it is um for example i have to read sometimes you know a lot of copy internal emails or even social media posts that my team is doing for executives or things like that and so <laughs> my my head of EMEA PR, she was saying, Madden, you're really quick in your feedback recently, but it is because I run it through ChatGPT because I'm bilingual only, you know, English is not my first language. And so sometimes I will find when I read copies that a sentence doesn't sound right. Um, and because it's like our exec comms for, for the social channels, sometimes, you know, we, I, I do have to look over that. And so then this is something you you can type into, you know, you copy and paste it into the ChatGPT tool and say, could you phrase this any way better? And then, yeah, one second later, you you have your answer. And it's really helpful. Or just when you have to write, I sometimes have to do restructuring internal org announcements or someone is leaving on the team. And it just makes you so much more efficient because you can basically input everything you have so far, or it might be a tricky email you have and where you're like, oh God, I don't know how to respond to that. And you literally, you can copy the email into it and say, you know, I would like to respond in this or that way. And it will provide you with a draft. I mean, what I would say, you want to rephrase it. I, I can, I've been using it that much that I feel like I can read on LinkedIn when someone's using ChatGPT because it is a certain way how it how it stru structures um you know sentences and things where, where you yeah I, I would say i can notice it now but just for getting started or sometimes you know when when you don't quite know where to start it just to to help also with a writer's block i guess um super helpful I've, I've been super intrigued and of course there's lots of questions around like copyright and it's also a little bit scary how good it is how quick it is and where you also think god what's going to happen to all of the writers in the world and uh yeah I, I certainly ask myself that as well but i would recommend everyone and i've done it with my team i made them all try it because i think it's yeah you, you should know what ChatGPT is these days i would say so can you give me some more examples of how you use it so you talked about social posts and uh, uh, responding to tricky emails and and presentation structures but can you help me understand how you're using it specifically not just for kind of office use i guess but for actual public facing content that isn't just a social post you can literally um you can make it write your business plan you can 
not that I need that in you know in my work, but I but my my husband has tested it, and where he was like, oh my god, this is so good, it's scary. <laughs> um, you can literally for anything if you say I need to write an article about um, women in tech or you know artificial intelligence and you give it a few bullet points it will write that for you you can say how long you can then go back in and say oh can you write this a little bit more conversational can you check uh, can you shorten it or can you highlight a little bit more um key points in this direction or that direction it's literally it feels like it's your own personal assistant like your 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 editing assistant and as far as i know about gpt4 i mean it literally only came out yesterday but it will be at the moment right what you could do is you you type uh, and you get text responses and the new part about um gpt4 and then it's not called chat anymore because it's it's more complex um so gpt4 will allow effectively video um audio uh, input photos and so even from that it will be able with you know optical image recognition and all of that it will be able to transcribe what's in a video uh, and things like that and i know you know microsoft has a huge stake in uh, open ai and and you might have noticed for anyone who's using microsoft teams kind of the transcription has gone much much better and i think the goal it's not switched on yet as far as i know at least not with the version that i have um but what their goal is to also, for instance, you have meetings and then um, the, the the tool will be able to do a meeting summary, right? And this is also where in the background, it's GPT-3 or 4 um, that, that, that Microsoft is using for their Teams um, tool. So how do you defend against mediocrity? Because ChatGPT, I haven't used the new one yet, I think it came out yesterday, is a an amalgamation or a, what's a better word? It, it takes lots of examples of things that happened previously to, to make a suggestion. So, for example, if you said, I'd write me a, a LinkedIn posting strategy, what it would do is pull probably hundreds of blogs, if not thousands of blogs, of advice how to do that. But that will be what everyone else has done before. And if everyone else is doing the same thing, then you're not marketing. You're not cutting through. You're not being different. You're not being creative. You're mimicking. And mimicry in marketing is poor marketing. So how do you how do you use chat TP? to defend against just being like everyone else exactly and this is also where i'm like you want to use it with a pinch of salt and i am not what i am not implying is um you should use it for building your marketing strategy or right but what it can help where i find it it makes you just that more quicker because sometimes right a lot of our day we responding to emails or we have to create quick posts or where um you know you you have to you might have to copy read something or write internal announcements or whatever it might be you can it can increase just your effectiveness efficiency a little bit because you you'll save time where you might have set longer time kind of just thinking about okay how am i going to structure this or how am i going it gives you a starting point where i would say as you definitely and this is where the human side comes in and where this tool will never right be 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 better than than uh the person sitting there you, you have your own you know you need to add your own 
touch to it. So it shouldn't, I would not recommend to just, that's what I mean. I can see it now on LinkedIn when literally people just type it into ChatGBT and copy and paste <laughs> from it. And then we will have exactly, as you say, we will have all this mediocre and everyone and everything will sound the same. Um, I think it might even... You know, what I could imagine, I used to, when I, at my time at Salesforce, I, um, one of my um, topics was also the Einstein AI solution um, for Salesforce. So that, that was effectively um, their AI offering back in the day, like five, six years ago, um, as it started and where it helped with, um, you know, like a use propensity modeling, it would go through um, your emails that you send to the customer and based on that then provide recommendations, oh, you should reach out to that customer again or help you basically prioritize, right, the opportunities or the leads you you had. But it was very much based on what you have done before. What I could imagine with, with this GPT as, uh, evolution and kind of these language models, if it would plug in more into also, you know, the things you have created before and take that into consideration, if you would have that possibility, right, to train it based on your style of writing and things you have done before, because I'm sure you the same, right? You have to do a strategy presentation or you think of a concept and then you think back, oh, have I have I done anything like that before? Is there some t type of slide, I'm, you know, or at least a layout that I can reuse when sharing that um, that strategy? And so I think... It again, right? Whereas if yourself, you then sift through your computer and try to find that deck from back in the day where you might <laughs> want to reuse some part, it takes a lot of time. Whereas if you have a smart AI solution that can do that looking for you, and then this is where the time efficiency is. And this is also where I see, I know there is a lot of angst and a lot of anxiety around these AI solutions, but I also think it's a huge potential in, in all fields, right? Like in medicine, in with legal cases, because you're not relying on the pair of legal who has to go through all the cases, you can do AI who basically has access to all of the cases globally and will be able to then right find perhaps a way of 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 um, addressing the the specific topic and with with health as well access to all of the medical data and being able in milliseconds to sift through that and provide you know treatment suggestions that have worked before things like that. It's just that sort of time saving i am not saying that uh, you know it's the answer to 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 everything and there's copyright issues and um hopefully right it's not uh, going to go that far that that it will mean that there's no content writers needed anymore or or no designers because it is i mean there's other ai um tools out there who now you know create images that fast and where you think oh my god what will that mean for designers in the longer term we don't know but i think um, the the you know the creative aspect that's exactly what you then still need to bring to that right to to make sure it's not the mediocre a mix of everything that's already out there but you could argue that creativity is also always right you base it on something it's always a mashup of something that perhaps has already existed somewhere so so thank you for that explanation and thanks for giving me the the very specific examples of how you use it and how we should be approaching it. Unfortunately, we've run out of time and we're going to have to leave it there. So Madeline, if someone wants to reach out to you, where is the best place to do that? And what makes a really good outreach message to you? So I, I think it's what everyone says. Um, it's LinkedIn, of course, I think, but you can also reach out on, I'm on Twitter as well. Um, 
and yeah, maybe refer back to 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 the podcast so I know where to you know where to place you and and the reason why you reach out. But otherwise, yeah, I, I'm usually on top of um, kind of my LinkedIn and and try to to answer um, if I can. Madeline, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Hi. Just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object Podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything. I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.